are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball. What up? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Thursday. October the 31st, and you know what that means. Happy Halloween to the Lockdown Pistons listeners. This is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, sports writer here in Detroit City, covering the NBA for the Detroit News and the Associated Press. Pistons fan and follower my whole life and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for the listen. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast as we today close the biggest month download-wise in the history of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. So thanks for spreading the word. Keep it going. Let's make November even bigger. Although, of course, I have a hunch that will not be the case because for some reason, people don't like to sit around in the holidays and listen to podcasts. They like to do things like not work or not commute, not to you know talk to their families, dumb things like that that probably won't be worth it. Trust me in the long run. But anyway, thanks for doing that and uh, look forward to more basketball with you guys as the season goes on. We'll keep aiming for you know, beating this mark that we hit here in October, but who knows? Maybe we'll keep it going. Maybe the Pistons will get hot and uh, your friends will be wanting to know, hey, how do I learn more about the Pistons? Well, here's the perfect way to do it. Listen to this dang show and uh, we'll keep you abreast on everything that's going with your Detroit Pistons basketball team. But today we're going to talk about Wednesday's loss north of the border to the Toronto Raptors. I'm going to give you my three biggest takeaways, including some mental gymnastics to show you why it was a good thing that Bruce Brown got out and played point guard, even though he struggled, and no doubt about it, out there in that uh, role, which I've been long pining for for him to take on as we go forward, looking at next season and beyond with the Detroit Pistons basketball team. Also, we're going to hit the Google voicemail line a little bit later on. Got one from Andy in Ann Arbor, a great phone call that I think might be informative to some of you guys, especially the family folks out there. Maybe some of you guys looking for a night out in downtown Detroit. Get a great idea of something you might be able to do. You might have an idea of what I'm talking about. But also, Brandon, uh, if you're listening, I got your message on the voicemail line too, actually the text mail line. Uh, So let's chat soon. I look forward to having listener Brandon on the show to tell you about something very exciting that's happening involving the Pistons uh, coming up soon in a few months, but wanted to get the word out now. But if you've got anything else that you want to get off your chest at any time, give us a call at the Google voicemail line, 810-666-1546. Again, 810-666-1546. We'll give you some prompts every now and then, but for today and for the rest of the weekend, a open line. So you can call and, and talk about whatever you want. Like we said, we, we normally play these on the air. I like to keep them to 90 seconds or less. Give your name, give where you live, and uh, where you're calling from, and uh, we'll get you on. So appreciate you guys that uh, regularly do that. We're looking to add some more folks to the regular rotation. Always get people asking, how can I help the show? How can I get on the show? Do you want to have me on as a guest? Well, yeah, kind of, sort of, but you, you work your way up through it. you got to uh, earn your stripes, get in as the, uh, the the voicemail caller, and then we'll get you on as a guest. And then you can take over this show when I lose my mind and uh, and decide to quit. But anyway, give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But the Pistons dropped one again. Uh, I guess not not again, one in a row, but uh, on the road to the defending NBA champions in the Great White North is the Toronto Raptors down the Pistons 125-113 to 
in Canada, Ontario, Canada, four and one. The Toronto Raptors improved to the Pistons drop to two and three on the season. The stats: uh, Andre Drummond, twenty-one and twenty-two, ten for seventeen from the field in this one. Uh, Langston Galloway had seventeen points, sixteen points and ten rebounds for Derrick Rose, and then we've got uh, Markeith Morris with sixteen points. There in the loss. Turnovers, once again, were an issue for the Detroit Pistons. 20 of them on this day, including five from Drummond, four from Bruce Brown. Uh, Svima Kailuk came in off the bench in garbage time and knocked down three three-pointers to finish with nine points. I won't say I told you so because it was garbage time and it's really not that big a deal, but it was nice to see Svi get out there. Pistons, 14 of 30 from three-point land, a little bit better than they had been in terms of attempts. Still a very good percentage, but like I said, some garbage time numbers kind of inflate that. This game was over after a great surge out of the halftime from the Toronto Raptors, who dominated this one pretty much from start to finish. Pascal Siakam was the big story, as you know. 30 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds for him. The Sekou Dumbuya comparisons are all over the telecast, and we all know about that. And hope for the best that Sekou can be anything like Pascal Siakam. Man, that wouldn't that be great to have a guy like that on our side. 20 for Kyle Lowry and 8 assists. 19 points for Serge Ibaka. 19 for Norman Powell off the bench as well. Stanley Johnson was a DNP despite the blowout, as was Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Uh, Andre Drummond, by the way, playing in the final minute of the game. Another head-scratcher there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we expected the Pistons to lose this one. Blake Griffin out once again. By the way, a news reported after shoot-around from some of our beat guys. Uh, Blake Griffin did not make the trip. So, th- I'm sorry, Reggie Jackson did not make the trip. Uh, so not for sure that he won't be joining the team in, in Friday in Chicago. But it was interesting that he didn't make the trip while Blake Griffin did make the trip. So maybe if you want to read into it and get your hopes up that Blake could possibly go on Friday night against Chicago, I think it would be more likely to see Blake than Reggie based simply on uh, what I'm talking about there with uh, the one no-show and one does-show. But uh, maybe there could be something that throws me off of that scent as well, and maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, once again, the Toronto Raptors, as my phone goes off, with the news that Steph Curry has a broken hand, by the way, as the Warriors uh, are struggling and reeling, and maybe they're looking at a down season completely if uh, Steph, Steph Curry is going to miss some major time to start the season here, but uh, the Raptors 13-27 from three and only 14 turnovers themselves capitalized on Pistons turnovers as well. So a really ugly game and the kind that you would expect on the road in a tough environment without two of your best players. And uh, just, just a game that really I don't think a lot of us really expected the Pistons have a chance in, and we were right as it turns out. But I do have some takeaways. I do have some things that I think uh, we can take from this game, and uh, we're going to get into those a little bit later. But like I mentioned, Friday night in Chicago, then back here on Saturday in downtown Detroit to take on the Brooklyn Nets, the second half of a back-to-back. But by the way, Brooklyn will also be on a back-to-back, so that's one of those uh, neutral rest advantage type of situations. So we can't cry and scream about that one, although we can cry and scream about the fact that the Pistons play Friday and Saturday uh Road, home, and then back on the road again on Monday. So three games in four days. Another kind of ridiculous start to the season for the Pistons schedule-wise. They will be in Washington on Monday, one of those games that you circle as a a likely win, a possible win, if you want to salvage this rough stretch without Blake Griffin and look ahead to possibly better times. When Griffin and Jackson come back, if you've got high hopes of this team, staying in the playoff race, staying around, or hopefully slightly above five hundred. 
as time goes on. But Indochino, it's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. I'm going to get that one of these days. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase or $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. Again, total purchase of $399 or more will get you 30 bucks off with promo code Locked On at Indochino, I-N-D-O-Chino.com. Up next, I'm going to give you the three takeaways that I think are most important from Wednesday's game in the Great White North. But hey, you know what my favorite part is about this time of year? Sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. That's great stuff, my bookie. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Throw the league pass on, bet a few games, get through the pistonless nights, and win some money. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. The NCAA coming back into action soon, and it's your time to turn your attention from carving pumpkins to the Spartans carving up defenses. Cassius Winston back for his senior year, trying to prove that he has what it takes to bring the ship to East Lansing. Use your hoops knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid Throw your money on Jawan Howard and the Wolverines. You're a believer. I know you are. If you really want to support your team, whatever team that is, just don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. If you join now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Do that now. Activate the offer. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to double your cash. Support these sponsors because they do a good job of supporting us. And we really appreciate them that they do that. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yes, sir! All right, a little bit later on, we're going to hear from Andy in Ann Arbor. He's going to talk about his experience at LCA over the weekend. I thought it was a good call and uh, wanted to share it with you guys. But I have a couple of honorable mention takeaways from Wednesday's game. I thought the starting lineup really struggled in the start of the third quarter. So Dwayne Casey listened to all you guys and put Luke Kennard out there, eschewed defense completely. So I'm I'm now expecting all the blogs and everyone out there who demanded that change in the starting lineup. And, and I was all for bringing Luke in as well. I would have liked to have seen Luke play alongside Bruce and not Tim Frazier. But, um, so I'm a little bit guilty as charged here. But I do think that Dwayne Casey's point about uh, understanding that defense is part of playing against teams uh, at a basketball game, especially when you're going up against starters and all the talent the teams around the NBA have in starting lineups. So I'm hoping that all the blogs uh, write follow-up articles saying, hey, maybe we were wrong, maybe we do need a little defense in the starting lineup. Uh, another honorable mention takeaway is Fima Kailuk, and of course I'm not going to go crazy about the three garbage time three-pointers, but get that young man in there. Uh, the defense sucks anyway with this team, but like I said, I do respect Dwayne Casey's tact of making the young guys earn the minutes, make them sweat with the trainers in the pregame, all that good stuff. But we are in year two for Svi, and it's time to, to let them sink or swim a little bit at times in the rotation. Uh, third honorable mention takeaway is Christian Wood. I'm still on watch on him. I know he finished with nine points, but didn't think he played very well. I have uh, what I thought what I thought was an unfounded and, and off-the-wall theory that he's one of those good 
at home, bad on the road kind of guys like a John Barry who thrives off the energy of the home crowd and is maybe a little bit more comfortable in that kind of setting. I looked it up. I'm happy to report that the numbers suggest that there's something to that as well. The raw numbers in his career very much favor his production at home, though the percentages in the per 36 minutes stuff are pretty similar in actuality. But I won't let the facts get in the way of my good theory and my, my good argument. So I'm going to call that a small win for my uh, theory on Christian Wood, but we'll monitor that all season. But let's get into the the big real takeaways from what I saw in the Pistons' loss on Wednesday night to the uh, Toronto Raptors. The biggest thing, um, well, the biggest thing might be a little bit later, but one of the big things was that this team cannot stop Pascal Siakam. And no duh, I mean, uh, the Cameroon Guys in his fourth year made a leap in the uh, league. We all know that. And Stanley Johnson for the Pistons is not walking through that door, like Rick Pitino says, although he didn't even fare that well against uh, Pascal Siakam either. But I stay, I say Stanley because he was kind of that, uh, not tall, but like that big-bodied but also athletic defensive player that the Pistons would have thrown at a guy like Pascal Siakam. And uh, the Pistons just don't have that on the roster right now. But the good news is there's only one Pascal Siakam, but there are, as we know, a lot of guys out there of his ilk. Of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo being the most notable one. And, you know, worth noting how much the Bucks just dominated the Pistons. I think that has a lot to do with it, that uh, matchup situations. Obviously, Andre Drummond struggles in the matchup of Brook Lopez, forcing him to get out and uh, defend three-pointers. And then Brook also able to kind of manhandle him and body him inside as well, kind of a double-decker uh, screw job of, of uh, Andre Drummond there. But um, the big, you know, those big wings, those Giannis Antetokounmpo types, and I know that Giannis, Giannis makes everyone look silly, but especially with the way that they manhandled the Pistons in the playoffs and the regular season to an 8 no tune last season in Milwaukee. And again, I'll throw Kawhi Leonard into that mix, you know, into a, a lesser extent as far as the size and pure athleticism. Kawhi, obviously, a better player than the Pascal Siakams and even the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world. But these big wings that are kind of also of that ilk, and like I said, maybe less so athletically, more so skill in some of these ways. But, like, who is the, who are the Pistons going to throw at Kawhi? Who are the Pistons going to throw at Paul George even? LeBron James. And I know that we're talking about some of the best players in basketball history, so any team's going to have trouble with them. But I think with, particularly with the Pistons, they're going to have issues with these guys. Anthony Davis acts as that uh, that type sometimes. You hope Drummond could have a little bit more success with that against a, a guy who's going to play center quite a bit for the L.A. Lakers. You know, Katie, uh, Kevin Durant, when he returns next season, you could put on this category as well. Zion Williamson, if he ever gets healthy, is one of these guys. Kristaps Porzingis. The Unicorns is what they were called. I still think they are in some regards. Ben Simmons is a guy you could kind of throw into this mix. Jason Tatum. Jonathan Isaac, if he can get there skill-wise, is a guy that will be an issue for this team. Lowry Markinen, the list goes on. You could put Jaron Jackson, possibly turns into one of those guys as time goes on. I think you're catching my drift here. There's a lot of them out there in the NBA, but it's it's something that this Pascal Siakam game kind of drove home for me, that this is going to continue to be an issue for this Pistons team going forward. I mean, you got the Tony Snells of the world. I don't see him being defensively advanced enough or even athletically advanced enough to to put a dent in the armor of any of those guys. Thon Maker, obviously not strong enough to deal with most of these guys. Markeith Morris is probably their best option at this point. Um, Andre Drummond, uh, foul troubles notwithstanding, goes toe-to-toe with some of these players and wants to do it. And you love that want to. I love the way that Andre is getting into a stance this year 
and making his presence felt. He's playing hard, and I think we should appreciate that and, and, and kind of tip our caps to Andre. And, uh, you know, Blake Griffin's not going to make a huge difference in this regard, but at least he's a big body who might punish some of these guys on the other end if he's matched up against them. Christian Wood has the archetype body to might be able to cause some problems with these guys. We saw Pascal kind of take him uh, to, to school, to church a couple times. He drove him around the whole town, did some errands with him, and then dropped him off back at preschool uh, where he belonged on this night. Uh, and everyone belonged this night against Pascal Siakam. Obviously, you hope that the, for the Pistons' sake that Sekou becomes that kind of guy who can not only defend those guys, but create those kind of ma- matchup issues for other teams down the road. We know that's not a 2019-20 realistic expectation for Sekou and this team. But uh, my thought is that Dwayne Casey is basically screwed against those guys for now. Something to keep in mind as we're talking about uh, the realities of this roster, the realities of this franchise, where things are at, and uh, where things might uh, realistically be in a few months, even on a best-case scenario situation. I think it's ni- it was nice to made the playoffs last year, but I think uh, we can all kind of agree that it's nice to have uh, a better, more long-term vision for this team. And I know a lot of you guys think that means strip it down completely, tank, and start all over. But uh, maybe it's time to think less of winning now and more about two, three, four years down the road and how to maximize this roster going forward. I've got a theory on that that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But first, let's do my second big takeaway, and it's uh, this singular game. The defense just completely sucked. And I know it has a lot to do with Pascal Siakam and the issues that he created. But all game long, pretty much every player, I thought that Thon wasn't terrible. I wonder how he would grade out if someone uh, – checked out the defense and, and the whole game situations. When I was in Europe in high school, kind of a, a non-sequitur here, uh, I, I noticed that the sport uh, sporting daily newspaper that they had when they were watching like a, a Juventus game in soccer, uh, they graded every single soccer player in the game and basically just gave them a number 1 through 10 on how they did. Pro Football Focus does this in the NFL, a subscription service. And I know that it's a lot easier to do in the NFL because you just kind of break that down on a Monday. There's one game a week. But it will be pretty awesome if one of you guys jumped on that and graded Pistons players. And it obviously, it can't just be some casual or someone who doesn't really know the intricities of the game. It has to be someone really knowledgeable, breaks down tape, knows defensive schemes. I wonder if you could start that with the Detroit Pistons as a subscription service or maybe pitch Craig Kustens and uh, James Edwards III of The Athletic and say, hey, I'll do freelancing and I'll grade the Pistons for you. And then you could start maybe your own website or on the side or something like that and then uh, get other teams to pitch in. Eh, just an entrepreneurial idea for one of you guys to roll with. And then you get the hardcore fans and the journalists because uh, a lot of us have uh, pro football focus accounts that we read all the time as well, cite in our articles, and it's a cycle of you making all sorts of money. But anyway, I digress. Uh, cut me in on that. I want 10%. But, um, again, thought Andre got into a stance tonight, did his usual, at times, great disruption of pick and rolls that we've seen for at least a couple years now uh, that he's one of the better players in the league at, uh, really. And I also thought there were instances where Bruce gave a crap and did a couple nice things at that end. Which brings us to number three, but we're going to take a quick break before we hit that. My third biggest takeaway of the game, and also, by the way, uh, check us out on the Twitter feed, Locked on NBA Net. It's a collection of all the hosts on one Twitter feed. It's really cool during the day to catch up on the news or during a full slate of games while you're watching on League Pass. Or if you don't have League Pass, it's a free substitute for that. Check us out on Instagram as well. Same handle, Locked on NBA Net. Highlighting the biggest stories of the NBA. Coming up, I got my 
Third biggest takeaway, I'm going to defend the indefensible, and that was Bruce Brown's game on Wednesday night. We're also going to hit the Google voicemail line with Andy from Ann Arbor with a nice call that I want you guys to hear. That's up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, y'all's team every day. All right, so let's do this. Bruce Brown at point guard. Why? My biggest takeaway from it, this is something I've been pining for, and uh, the stat sheet and the results and some of the footage, uh, the turnovers, the technical foul, it couldn't have gone any worse. I understand that. I realize that. But I'm trying to take a long-term view with this team. The plan for this season cannot be that we stack up Bruce Brown on top of the two the, the two or three rotation, put Svi Mikhailuk uh, maybe outside of the rotation and sit Kyrie Thomas in Grand Rapids and inactive and at the end of the bench all year and go into year three not knowing anything about those guys, already being pretty sure that Bruce Brown's not going to turn into a three-point shooter anytime soon, and it just can't be the plan. So I suggest that you try other plans, even if they fail, to with the end result of trying to maximize your effort, trying to maximize the core of what these guys might have in terms of being impact NBA players. I know some of you guys are out on Bruce already. I know the offensive numbers are really ugly right now. But I'm just I see in Bruce Brown a player that could be a standout player for the Detroit Pistons in the the culture, in the effort, um, in just the way he composes himself. I see a guy who could be a, a fan favorite, a guy who has two way potential, which is not something you see in a lot of this roster. Uh, I've been talking about Bruce Brown at point guard forever. I believe in it, and I thought what we saw out there is a little bit of nice offensive design for what it would look like. Bruce basically just brought the ball up. Um, for all intents and purposes, and I think I'd like him to see him do more than that. I thought that he deferred too early in offense to Andre, kind of dribbled up to a wing, swung it around to Andre, who's at the top of the key, and uh, most of the half-court sets were were Bruce out there at point guard was Andre Andre basically running half-court point guard himself. Uh, Bruce ended up driving once in the half-court set. I'm not sure if it was off of a a dribble handoff or a pick-and-roll from Andre, but he missed the layup. Um, finishing around the rim is still an issue. James Edwards the third in his Bruce Brown story that we talked about on Wednesday's show, talked about that quite a bit, that uh, the trainers thought he was leaving or picking up his dribble one step too early. Well, I found it, and from watching this game, I thought it was the other way around. I thought he was uh, just this game in particular might have been going too deep. Uh, one time he got too deep on a drive, tried to wrap around the baseline to see Mikhailuk who's in the corner, threw it out of bounds, another turnover, chalk him up. For Bruce on the turnovers. Another time, though, he took the outlet from Andre on a defensive rebound, brought it all the way down, aggressively went one on two or one on three. We'll call it two and a half because I, I don't remember if there was an engaged third defender on there. Got all the way to the rim and then missed it. And I know that those layups, I, I thought that they were good plays. Um, like I said, missed two of them, missed, misfired on the pass on the third one to Mikhail Luke. Um, I like the aggressiveness. Another time, he was uh, driving middle, got stripped around the elbow uh, by someone who was kind of helped defending. Needs to be stronger with the ball there. Obviously, the ball handling will come in time. Again, I'm talking about another turnover at the end of the day. And if you look at the stat sheet, he had one point. He turned the ball over four times, uh, made one free throw in 21 minutes, uh, missed a couple of layups. It, it doesn't get any worse than that. I understand that. But here's the crazy thing. Watching that game, watching that few minutes – I liked it, and I know that sounds silly because even Bruce Brown was so pissed with himself that he got a technical foul for grabbing a player uh, going after a defensive rebound because he was obviously so frustrated. He just kind of grabbed the other guy around the neck. 
Uh, he's frustrated with his game, and he's probably furthermore frustrated with how things are going this season. But I've got kind of a long game view of this, though. I envision an offense where Blake or Andre are at the top uh, of one of these situations, a point forward kind of deal, a point center kind of stuff. Uh, with Bruce acting as point guard, uh, first offense being Bruce looking at uh, not only um, taking the ball all the way down the court in transition, catching teams off balance, looking forward for passes if players can get early offense up the wing like Ish Smith did with Luke Kennard a little bit last year, stuff like that going. Um, when you eventually get Sekou Dembuya running up and down the wings, it's going to be important to have someone get the ball and go as opposed to Reggie Jackson uh, getting eight-second violations while walking up the court. I just think that if we're thinking about the future of the Detroit Pistons, it's a, it's a blueprint that you need to think about as opposed to uh, whatever uh, the traditional point guard situation would be throughout the league and what we've seen from this team in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, dribble handoffs with uh, Blake and Bru- or Blake and Andre with those guys on the wings. If, of course, I'm thinking mostly about Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, Fima Kai Luke, uh, whoever else you think is part of this future with the team. And remember, if you put uh, regular pick and rolls, dribble handoffs, all that good stuff uh, originating from the top with the, the center either dribbling to the wing or uh, passing it off and, and coming down there for a pick. And remember, if you put uh, Bruce and Luke together, it takes off the pressure for either of them to be the primary ball handler. They can split, switch it up a little bit, run pick and rolls on both sides with both of them, stick a Tony Snell or Svi Mikhailuk type uh, in the weak side corner there as well. You can even have Svi work a little pick and roll. We saw that during Summer League. I know some of you guys are laughing about Summer League, but uh, I think it's something that could work. You take advantage of Andre's playmaking strengths at the top of the key uh, with the ball in his hands a little bit. Blake is a guy we know we can do that as well. Um, you don't just play, uh, and if, if you, you clear the paint and you get Andre up top, you can still post up Blake for some of his bully ball type of stuff. Um, I, I don't think you play Bruce as a traditional point, but I think having lineups, obviously, that don't have Derrick Rose, Reggie Jackson, Tim Frazier, Ish Smith, whatever point guard you think of in the future, I think that helps your defensive ceiling unless you have uh, you know, a Chris Paul type, uh, an effective, you know, in his prime, a Chris Paul type, uh, an effective defensive point guard, which we don't have near this roster at this point and haven't had. Uh, we know we want Luke Kennard on the floor a lot. We know that for now, while he's on the team, we want Blake Griffin on the floor a lot. So if you got Luke and Blake out there, that's already two below-average defenders. I don't think you have room for someone who's even worse than those two, like a Reggie Jackson or a Derrick Rose. And I know that Reggie and Derrick, they're kind of uh, temporary solutions, uh, hoping to get us to the playoffs this year kind of stuff. But um, how do you expect to be good defensively if you got three of the guys like that out on the court? How do you expect to take a meaningful step forward as a team. And now, point guard Bruce, will it be easy? No. Will it for sure work? Am I going to look like an idiot in two two years when they try this and it doesn't work at all? Absolutely. There's a chance for that. Might not work. And will there be nights that it's going to look really ugly and that Dwayne and Bruce are going to yell at each other and that they're going to spend all night in the film room breaking it down about why how much he sucks and, and why this isn't going right? Well, that's why we pay him $7 million, right? To be able to do those kind of things, to have the respect of the players in the locker room and for Bruce to be able to take it on the take it on the chin a little bit and grow from it hopefully going forward. It's going to be ugly at times for sure, but I think this team needs to be building long-term towards something, and this is one way to do it. It's a vision for what a modern offense would look like, uh, still shooting a lot of threes, taking advantage of some of the uh, quality things about your roster while also hiding some of the issues that you might have in your current roster and still finding ways to unlock that Detroit basketball defense that we all want to see. So that's my theory 
and uh, and I definitely want to see it. But uh, you know what? I've gone a little long, and I'm going to apologize to Andy. I know that we uh, plugged that we're going to play his voicemail. We're going to either do that tomorrow or certainly sometime forward. Uh, it's a very evergreen kind of take, but I liked it, and I want to share it with you guys. But we'll do that some other time. Sorry about bumping you, Andy. Uh, Matt Damon uh, is also in that category. We didn't have time to talk to him. But uh, So that'll do it for us here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. This is your host, Matt Shook, saying thanks for listening. We'll talk tomorrow, previewing the weekend. We'll try to get a guest, maybe talk about the Bulls and or the Nets, and we'll have a little fun tomorrow to finish off the week as we start November tomorrow here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Thanks for listening.